You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's Web Radio.com. We are right in the swing of convention season for the Georgia Republican Party and also a pretty busy presidential race. Um, last week we had some, some pretty compelling announcements. Uh, Carly Fiorina announced for vice president. Uh, ben Carson announced for surgeon general. And Mike Huckabee announced for chaplain of the United States. So what do you think about those guys jumping in, David? Are you, you interested in them at all, or, uh, or are they just a little bit of noise and, and, and confusion to an already crowded field? Well, uh, I, uh, there is a crowded field. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and, and the Republicans keep saying, well, good debate. The more, the merrier, and, and let's talk. Uh, <laughs> it's like you and I have said for months now that, uh, you know, for the Republicans, in my opinion, for the Republicans to win, it's going to take somebody that uh, is the band leader. And I, out of, you know, you can have 500 people throw their hats in the ring, as they say. Right. But if you hadn't got a band leader, all you got's a, a bunch of people scrambling around looking for their tails. And uh, right now, I think that's... Uh, we don't have a band leader, and and the one that I see coming forth, <clears throat> and I know is not your choice, and in many ways is not my choice, but I, I think he's got a very, very interesting strategy going on, and that's Jeb Bush. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people counted him out from the get-go, saying, well, you can't run on his name and so forth. And um, basically, that's the strategy he's taking: is that he's not running on his name; he's running on his on his own. Right. And uh, he's bringing up some very interesting points. And it's you know, a lot of people say he's not the the, the communicator that uh, his father was. <laughs> he's not the communicator. Well, none of the Bushes have been great communicators, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's got a very <clears throat> For every one word he says, there's about two or three attached, and you don't realize it until he's already on to something else, that what he said has just made a lot of sense, and he's um, he's doing a very, in my opinion, a very good, subtle job. Okay, well, that's interesting. I, I did posit something earlier today, and it was the fact that he's getting uh, catching a little bit of hell for supporting his brother's, uh, you know, his brother's basically, we're talking about W here, a wartime president. And I think everybody agrees that invading Afghanistan was the right thing to do. We were compelled to do it. We had to go in and, and, and out... Uh, and remove the Taliban and, and try to find Osama bin Laden. The Iraq theater... Um, Clearly, that's more debatable. At the time, it seemed like it's something that we, we needed to do, and it did drag on. And uh, now Obama's pretty much given up all the gains that we have by uh, thinking that he's some kind of brigadier general, and somehow his his years of community organizing makes him qualified to be commander-in-chief after he's gotten rid of so many generals and, and, and high-ranking uh, military officials to put in his people. So... Uh, but but basically, Jeb said he supported his brother. He's catching hell for that now. 
Why don't they ask why Hillary Clinton, who is a staunch supporter of the Iraq invasion and actually voted yes, Jeb Bush did not vote yes on that. Why? I mean, I, I'm sure she's going to be under the exact same scrutiny oh, yeah, uh, right. that, that Jeb yeah. is under for, for supporting his brother, right? I mean, well, that, w- w- should I hold my breath, David? Yeah, yeah. One of the eight questions that she's uh, gotten around to answer while everybody else is answering questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, she's, she's a piece of work. The Clintons are a piece of work. I just hope that... Uh, and pray, actually, that uh, the public is going to catch up with the Clintons, that uh, they have finally stepped in enough of it that they stink like stink to high heaven and that people are seeing that she's a liar, Bill's a liar, and their whole everything is smoke and mirrors. And I I honestly, do you remember somebody saying, I don't think she'll make it? Uh, You've said that? Yeah. <laughs> so far. Uh, so, I mean, I you know, we, she does have one challenger announced, Bernie Sanders, the, the avowed socialist from Vermont, which I did want to throw this in about Vermont. They actually tried, um, Ob- like, Obamacare on steroids yeah. in Vermont, and they've already given up on it. Oh, yeah. So be, they were like, you know what? We would have had to raise uh, taxes by 80% on people just to pay for the whims of this socialist scheme. So they've already given up on that. I, I just – I do – I am happy that he – He's announced because well, then we'll get to see more of their their real ideas. The Democrat Party's real idea is to enslave everybody to government and and dole out the money and the wealth how they see fit. That's their dream. You know, I, I think the Democrats are in, in a real pickle. And if we if any of us were involved with them at this point I think we'd be hearing what I think there's a lot of rubbing of the hands and what are we going to do Bernie uh, Bernie Sanders is no anything I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Barbara uh, Boxer uh, no uh, or no Elizabeth Elizabeth Warner is anything she's apparently Um, more of a threat than Bernie Sanders oh yeah well yeah yeah I I would love to see I would love to see her jump in though because if she jumps in then they're gonna have to have Bernie Sanders Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren all participate in debates and supposedly the Democrats are willing to schedule six debates I believe Republicans have nine or ten scheduled um, you know the Republicans it's going to be – I don't know how they're going to figure out how many people to have on stage. We, we cannot have 20 people on stage. The A, that looks ridiculous, and B, it's untenable. It's going to be the top 10 percentage-wise. I, I mean, time. even if – I think 10 is too – I mean, I think you need seven, 7 to 9. I mean, not – I don't. I don't know. I. I. You can't have more than ten. In I, my I, opinion, back to I think the Democrats are wringing their hands because they don't. They don't have anyone. All they got right now is Hillary, and that's all they're. And they're. You know, trying to. Uh, they're being. Forced, they're being force-fed Hillary yeah. Clinton. Is what you're saying. So, yeah. you know, it's it's going to be. Uh, I don't want to use the word interesting. I. We've we've got to have a leader in our top office. Right. Uh, you know, I wouldn't care if it was a Democrat, if they were a good Democrat, an old-time Democrat. Well, they talk but, about Jim Webb um, from Virginia yeah. being some uh, a person of interest, if yeah. you will. Yeah, uh, he would, he would uh, I would accept him, probably. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I guess there's a potential if, if Hillary, I, and I honestly, in the back of my mind, feel like there's a pretty good chance that Hillary's going to be exposed you know, the, the interesting thing about what's going on, even though the media still is totally biased, 
This is the first time that I can recall the media coming down on the Clintons for anything. And Bill, have you listened to him or seen any of his stuff lately? Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's making a total idiot of I'm himself. I'm happy to have him continue talking about yep. how the what the more than 900 donations from foreigners just didn't raise any sus- suspicion on their end. And I'm sure we should just take their word for it that all of them are above board. And none of them were made to garner influence or persuade and, and, somebody to vote or, Clinton, or act a certain if, way. If, if Hillary wins the election and she's president, mm-hmm. are you going to stop your... Your uh, speech giving? No, uh, of course not. I gotta, I gotta, put, I gotta pay the bills. You know, the Clinton Foundation is apparently you're the only person that has bigger bills. bills than the Clintons that yeah. I know of, and your, yours are over five hundred million a month, well, right? No, clearly. Well, in that, and and with Michelle Obama playing the race card at, at uh, Tuskegee, it's just very frustrating to see we have corrupt that? Democrats, and then I mean, poor Michelle who has a personal chef. 35 personal courtiers gets to courtiers gets to go on vacation anytime she wants the best schools p- free security free room and board at the, the the expense of the American taxpayer and people treat her different because she's black that's a bunch of malarkey um, you know a friend and I had a discussion on that at noon today and uh, you know <clears throat> you go out a whole lot more than I do but the few Drinking. times that my wife lets me out of the cage and I, I go to a, uh, a yeah. mall or something like this, you know, let's look at facts. The blacks are not mistreated. Look at athletes that make millions and millions of dollars. Look at the people that uh, are in business now. Look at television. There's over 50% of every everything on television has a black in it or blacks on it or something. And then you go to a mall... And here's here's fact, not fiction. I went to my local grocery store yesterday and was amazed at the number of blacks that were there. And I can only assume it's because a lot have moved into the into the area where I live. Okay, which is fine. I don't if they can afford it, power to them. Great. But you go to a mall and you look at the young blacks and even some of the older blacks that have, you know, not not green hair but chartreuse hair you see the the guys walking around with their pants down around the knees they got their hats on backwards or i don't know the ones that are clearly dressing for their next job because they want to be looked at right they want to be looked at now you know when she goes through this spill that oh people look at us different and they want to you know that's look at the facts they dress like that because they want to be looked at right well, and to me, it's just very frustrating that they continually try to divide. I, I don't know what else we need. With it. You know, we, we talked a little bit about Baltimore last week. They got a ton of money in stimulus funds. We, with the, the American taxpayers have sent trillions, well, not, maybe not trillions, billions, billions. of dollars to the inner cities of during since LBJ's war on poverty, which has failed miserably, we the people have sent billions upon billions of dollars to these blighted communities, and they oh. still do not show any results as in improved education. They don't show any results in 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 you know being able to to do build their communities. The- when, when a company like CVS does come in, that's the first place to get torched, or the Little Caesars in Ferguson, because they they look at it. As is a sign of success. And they you say, know, you know what? Uh, they have something that we, for some reason, haven't been able to build. The name 
Elijah Cummings. Oh yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Democrat Senator from Maryland for thirty years. It says. And, uh, did you hear his statement? Yes, but um, I, I'm happy to have you. <laughs> well, it was uh, you know they've. It's just been unfair, and that uh, they haven't gotten what they should get in Maryland, and that's why. I'm oh yeah, yeah, trouble. yeah, yeah. And he's been representing them for twenty <laughs> years, and and should be bringing it to him. They always there's always an excuse, right? It's the Republicans' fault for not investing money. I mean, George W. Bush came up with the No Child Left Behind program, which a lot of conservatives were not real enthused about. It was kind of a federal power grab and, and a federal encroachment on education. And we are still seeing lackluster results. And when Republicans try to put in missives like school choice, they get called racist and that they don't want to uh, spend money in these communities when that could not be farther from the truth. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of guests calling in today. I'll be uh, doing a little critique of the two mailers that I got at the end of the show. They're very they're very different. Uh, we've got John Paget running for state chair. He's the incumbent, and we have Alex Johnson, both of them who have been on the show a few times. I'm sure the the listeners have gotten to know them a little bit, but now we're just getting crunch time. We're about four days away from the uh, the state convention in Athens, Georgia, the best college town in the history of the world. David Johnson calling in about 2.15 to talk about uh, presidential politics, and we have Amanda Swafford calling in around 2.30 to talk about ballot access in Georgia and some other issues. I, I'm thinking that every Republican now is being called a rhino by by certain factions. The rhino party is now actually bigger than the Republican party. So that's what some of these purists uh, should realize is if they're going to get anything done, they're going to have to work with those that they label a rhino. Well, if, if the Republicans don't do something, I've, I've renamed the, the Republican party the Democrat R party, Democrat right party. <laughs> The right, the right, instead the of right wing portion of the, the Democratic the right, Party. Yeah, basically the Warhawks of yeah. the Democrats, basically, right? All right. Well, listen, let's go ahead and take our first break. And uh, when we get back, should have David Johnson from Strategic Vision on the line to talk about the, uh, the, the, the presidential race and some other pertinent national issues. See you in a minute on Greg's List. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website 
located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Joining us uh, for... Um, uh, another segment in our presidential politics race is our friend consultant from Strategic Vision, David Johnson. David, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, sir. I uh, Every day it seems like we have a new announcement for president and uh, or vice president and Carly Farina's case and Surgeon General is in Ben Carson's case. But uh, now I'm seeing John Kasich might be coming to Georgia, the governor of Ohio. So uh, help us sift through all this, the, the, the noise and who the serious candidates are on the Republican side, because it's, it's getting pretty crowded over there. Oh, it really is. I mean, the serious candidates right now are... Rand Paul, because he's the libertarian choice, and he's got a large segment. Uh, Scott Walker, the governor of uh, Wisconsin. Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida. And Jeb Bush, whether you like him or not. And if John Kasich runs, he'll be a serious candidate. And Kasich's got an interesting strategy, one that I think is very smart. And that's, he's going to skip Iowa, concentrate on New Hampshire and South Carolina. And he's a good fit for those two states. Uh, he's really following the John McCain strategy. And I'm not saying we need another John McCain, mm-hmm. but I'm saying as far as tactics-wise, it's a smart strategy. He's a good fit. He feels that with all these conservatives running, uh, they'll split the vote very much like happened in 2008, and that could help him in South Carolina. Jeb Bush, of course, remains the establishment choice at this moment. Yeah, and Jeb has been, uh, I was uh, mentioning earlier, he's been under a little bit of fire for supporting his brother. God forbid a presidential candidate support his his brother in a uh, somewhat complex decision. And uh, we both know that Hillary Clinton was a very avid supporter of the Iraq invasion and actually voted yes on it. So I'm I'm interested to see how they uh, juxtapose the, the two comparisons there. So to me, Jeb getting attacked on that shows that the media still considers him, despite what his poll numbers are now a very serious candidate in this race. They do, and I mean, some of the stuff's ridiculous. They're criticizing him because also he talks to his father and brother since they were both ex-presidents. Well, I would venture to guess that Hillary probably talks to Bill, who was an ex-president as well. Probably. So <laughs> some of this stuff's really ridiculous. Look, Jeb Bush is a serious candidate. He's not a strong uh, front-runner. We're seeing this in polls. But He's leading right now in New Hampshire, and the one thing Jeb Bush has going for him, whether you like him or not, is money to go the entire distance for the nomination like Mitt Romney did. So that makes him a serious contender, regardless of what you think about his chances in the general election or his policies. Right. Well, and he's certainly been making the uh, the rounds. He's been talking about uh, illegal immigration. He does have the, the funds. Do you think he's making a mistake by not announcing yet, though, as he does drop? Does Marco Rubio start getting some of his support, especially in Florida? No, I really don't, because if you look at Florida, as far as the financial people, they're all behind Jeb. Rubio's not making any headway there. We're seeing that. Overall, I think Jeb is smart in a lot of ways. He's letting these other candidates become the flavor of the month, and then he's going to jump in when he wants to. He's also uh, basing his campaign on the fact that he knows these other candidates are going to have billionaire super super PACs uh, backing them, 
Whereas what he's trying to do now is raise money so that he can take on the other candidates and their super PACs. I think it's a smart strategy. Everyone knows he's running. I mean, the one telltale sign beyond all of his speeches and raising the money is all the weight he's lost. Look, the one rule in politics is when a candidate begins losing weight, they're running for a higher office. <laughs> well, does Governor Even Chris Christie's lost weight, as, if you look. I was about to say, does, does that refer to uh, Governor Krispy Kreme up in New Jersey or not? Uh, he's actually going to be um, at the uh, the Georgia GOP convention this week. I'm not sure if that's a harbinger for people announcing, but I am glad to see that Georgia is is certainly on the map of these candidates, especially if we move up to the, uh, the quote-unquote SEC primary on March 1st. Uh, what do you think about um, Fiorina, Dr. Carson, and Huckabee? Are they are they just in it for book deals or slots? I think Fiorina and Carson are. Okay. Uh, Car- and I think Fiorina is also looking at the VP spot or Secretary of the Treasury. Okay. Mike Huckabee has a tough path uh, to the nomination. I can see one where he can get it. And the one thing I know about Mike Huckabee is he's always said, after he lost in 2008, that 2016 was going to be his time to run. So I think he's very serious about this. Iowa is make or break for him. Gotcha. Huckabee comes across and will come across very good in the debates. We know that. He's the type who can put a knife in your back while smiling at the same time. (laughs) Uh, The other thing is he can appeal to the middle class, which a lot of these voters can't. A lot of these candidates can't. So Huckabee, I think, could be a factor. The question for him can he raise money? If he can raise money, do good in Iowa, and then I would advise him to skip New Hampshire and move on to South Carolina, he can be a factor, and there's a path to the nomination for him. Gotcha. Because, um, you know, obviously if you win two out of three of those first states, you uh, come in with pretty heavy momentum. He clearly has the economic populism issue that he can talk about. I guess my fear is, what you know, we you get him in there, and we've got Ted Cruz already. And then if a Rick Santorum jumps in, I, I just really fear the, the social conservative headlines as those guys all fight for that base because, you know, in the Republican primary, you really only need to, to be polling in the top three to, to, to stay in the race for the whole, uh, you know, 50 state plus all the territories, right? So if you can get a piece of that base, then you're going to remain relevant and remain active on the trail, and so if these guys really chase after the far-right social conservatives, I, I mean, I, I'm extremely concerned about some of the sound bites that, that may emerge. Oh, I am too, but I will say this. Rick Santorum, Ben Carson, some of these others are going to sound very extreme in their rhetoric. That's what I was saying with Mike Huckabee. Huckabee is a strong social conservative, but he doesn't come across mean or harsh. That's another reason why I give him an opening. Because social conservatives will want to go with a candidate that they feel can win, Huckabee's rhetoric will convince them that he could be that candidate. Okay. And he does have the uh, success of being the the governor of Arkansas. He also got to have some some national press with his uh, show on Fox. I think that was on for at least two or three years. So he he will have that potential for some small donor base. So would you look at him as kind of a, a dark horse candidate? Um, I think I mean, he's not even polling right now basically. So Well, he's polling he's basically tied for second right now in Iowa. Okay. I would have him as a second tier candidate. Like I said, it all depends on whether he can raise money. But a sign that Democrats are concerned about him is last week after he announced he made a joke. 
joke, and most people would have realized it was a joke, but you know liberals have no sense of humor. No. He said that, you know, the campaign was going to be based on small contributions, but if someone wanted to give a million dollars, that's fine. They could give a million dollars, and he wouldn't object. You and I know that was a joke. Yes. Democrats had a liberal, uh, I think it was Think for Progress group, uh, file a complaint because technically under the intricate campaign finance laws, that was a violation of the campaign finance laws. Uh, because he was soliciting $1 million donations? Okay, I, yeah, I, I, I guess I see that. Even though you and I know it was a joke, <laughs> most people yeah. watching knew it was a joke, not the Democrats. Nope, I guess they, 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 uh, they have no sense of humor there, but they'll just take a blind eye when looking at the Clinton Foundation's Clinton cash and, and the hordes of money that, uh, that they've been able to, to raise, which um, raises just a ton of questions on their side. Um, do you uh, see her campaign weakening any? Do you see Bernie Sanders causing problems? Do you see Elizabeth Warren jumping in on that side so we can really see some carnage this, uh, this election season? I think there's going to be carnage. I don't know if Elizabeth Warren's going to jump in, but she and Bernie Sanders are forcing Hillary to the left. And yes, Bernie Sanders is causing some harm. Not that I think he's going to be the nominee. I think Martin O'Malley would be the viable alternative, not Bernie Sanders. But what's interesting is, in Iowa, a state that really has never heard of Bernie Sanders, he's Mm -hmm. from Vermont, remember, he's 72 years old. He's a socialist (laughs) who now is uh, saying he's running as a Democrat. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Bernie Sanders is already polling 15% since just announcing against Hillary. No, he's not going to win, but that shows there's a sizable number of Democrats automatically who want someone further to the left, want an alternative to Hillary. And if you get a Martin O'Malley or, you know, Elizabeth Warren were to jump in, I think that number would increase. And then the story becomes not that Hillary's inevitable, the number of Democrats who are dissatisfied with her. I think she's open to a strong challenge. And that can also show that they may not be so fired up to support Hillary at the polls if she is the winner. Because um, obviously Obama being kind of a, a transcendent president for me, not in the best way, but we can uh, – you certainly can't argue the fact that it's historic to have the first black president. So we've gotten that out of the way. Um, is, is she – is her strategy to try to gin up the excitement to go with the first woman president? Is that her strategy, do you think, to, to get that all That should be some of her strategy, but her strategy seems to be, hey, I'm inevitable, very much like Walter Mondale said in 1984. So I like that. Nominate me and vote for me. I like that analogy. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, her, that's whole, her whole thing. How can you get excited over the fact, hey, I need to be nominated. You need to vote for me. I'm inevitable. It doesn't work. We've seen that happen over and over again. The political graveyard is filled with candidates whose whole rationale was that. Yes, the air of inevitability sets it. Okay, so I'm going to say two names. Predict when they're going to announce. Scott Walker. Scott Walker announces uh, late August, beginning of September. Uh, Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush uh, announces September, October. Wow. So those, um, so those guys are several months from an, from formally announced. Okay. 
All right. Well, I appreciate it, David. As always, David Johnson from Strategic Vision talking some national presidential politics. And we don't ignore the Democrat side here because I think everybody would love to see a little competition on that side as we certainly see the clown car on the Republican side. Although uh, there's a discernible difference. Carly Fiorina compared to Michelle Bachman. Just look at those two. Fiorina is far more polished. And, David, one thing that I wanted to mention, let's do something different this year. If we are going to have this competitive election, if we are going to say something negative about one of the Republicans, let's also try to say something positive about him. What do you think? Oh, I agree. And I'll say this. Whether you like, whether your candidate becomes the nominee or not, there are nine reasons why it's better if you're a Republican to vote for the Republican nominee than stay at home. And that's the nine Supreme Court justices. (laughs) The next president will make quite a few appointments. Exactly. All right, David Johnson, thank you for calling in. We'll be back in a couple minutes with Amanda Swafford to talk about the uh, the ballot access issue, which um, really had a, a pretty big focus point here this past session in Georgia. Nationally gets some attention as well, and we look forward to speaking to Amanda when we get back on Greg's List. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Tracy Pearson with Prissy Tomboy. Listen to the Prissy Tomboy radio show every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time as I interview special guests that will inspire adventure and fitness for females. This is Dr. George from Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps, a chronic sinus infection, or allergies that are either undertreated or have never been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we use state-of-the-art equipment so you can see the problem. You'll be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment, because we believe in old-fashioned medicine, where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. We specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery, correction of a nasal septal deviation, and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office, getting you back to work the next day. And you can rest assured that all options will be discussed before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 404-591-9100 or reach us on the web at www.peachtreeentcenter.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of series journalism only on America's Webradio.com. Joining us now is the uh, former Libertarian Senate candidate in Georgia in 2014, Amanda Swafford. She was also a city councilman uh, member up in Flowery Branch and um, been working on some, some issues here to help ballot access and some other uh, limited government freedom-oriented issues. Amanda, welcome back to Greg's List. How are you doing? Hi, Greg. I'm fantastic. Thanks for having us on. No problem. I know that uh, the ballot access fight this past uh, session in Georgia was one that um, 
that you really uh, put a lot of time and effort in. Um, it fortunately, it did not come up. It, it's it's strange that the two controlling parties wouldn't want to uh, have more ballot access. I'm, I'm wondering why this isn't just rubber stamped by everybody in the legislature. Sure. I'm being facetious about that, but uh, tell us a little bit about the ballot. It may be a little complicated for some of our folks. I, I wanted you on here so I could learn a little bit more about it. I followed it. There was a lot of other bills that, that I was following a lot more closely uh, this past session just because this seems like it's going to be a protracted fight to continue it, and, and this year I thought was, was a good step in the direction. It did move the needle a little bit, but tell us, uh, give us your, your take on what happened this session and what the future outlook is for uh, for increased ballot access in Georgia. And, and really, it could lead to ballot access in other states if it goes well here. Well, absolutely. You know, I thought I would uh, start by kind of giving a little bit of a broad overview of, of really the three levels of ballot access that we have here in Georgia and providing some level of education to everyone because it is such a complicated issue and it's hard to really get into the details of what we're really talking about unless you kind of understand right. Uh, the different levels of ballot access. Gotcha. Uh, there's really three tiers of ballot access uh, that we really talk about. One is presidential, then you have statewide, and then local and geographical ballot access. And on the presidential level, that's kind of what we hear a lot about right now with all the candidates uh, announcing for uh, president. Uh, and here in Georgia, there's really just three parties that have the presidential ballot access, and that would be the Republicans and Democrats. Libertarians are the recognized third party that has ballot access, and that is a result of obtaining the necessary signatures in uh, 1988. So we've had ballot access on the presidential level for quite some time. There's currently litigation pending uh, that's been up to the 11th Circuit and was just uh, adjudicated back down to the district court in 2014 um, by the Green Party that is trying to obtain uh, lower requirement for signatures to obtain uh, presidential ballot access for other third parties right now. There's on the statewide level, that is something a lot more individuals are more uh, aware of, I believe, because we do see a lot more libertarians run for statewide office. And as you mentioned, I ran uh, on the statewide ballot, even though it was for a federal race, U.S. Senate is elected uh, by uh, everyone in the statewide um, race. And so in that particular case, uh, you have to, uh, political parties or third parties have to uh, either obtain 1% of the registered voters in a petition to obtain ballot access if they're not part of a reg uh, recognized political party that's already obtained uh, statewide ballot access, or they have to obtain 1% of the vote totals um, from the number of registered, equal to the number of registered voters every time there's a statewide. And that could be it. I mean, that, tell election. us how much that, that could actually be. I mean, that's, that's it, hundreds of, it, is that 100,000? right now. To about about um, fifty thousand voters because we have about five million registered voters in the state of Georgia, so it okay. equals out to about fifty thousand votes. Um, and the third party libertarians definitely meet that total um, every time, really easily. We've had two candidates um, in recent times on the statewide ballot that have pulled a million votes, so it's a real easy threshold now that we've attained. The signatures. Um, oftentimes, getting the votes is um, much easier than getting signatures uh, <laughs> for a lot of reasons that we can go into as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the signatures are difficult too. I mean, basically, because they can get thrown out, they get challenged all the time, right? Absolutely, it is. And when you're 
petitioning not so much for statewide but for the local or geographical races, those are really difficult in the sense that you have to get the, the signatures from individuals that live in those districts and they have to be registered in those districts. And that is increasingly difficult as we come across a mobile society that moves very often uh, and individuals that aren't sure if they're registered in this county or that county and the lines are gerrymandered to fit specific areas and so it gets very difficult to make sure you're getting voters in that particular area or district that you need to be in. And that does create some issues as well. Um, so statewide races are very, very important for third parties, many times you'll hear, you know, why are you running race or candidates in this race when you don't legitimately maybe have a chance of winning that race? It goes much deeper than that because many times it is required, it is always required that we have 1% of the registered voters uh, uh, get the number of votes equal to that in order to continue to have that statewide ballot access in order to run candidates and uh, for to obtain that presidential ballot access as well. Uh, and you might have heard in 2014 our gubernatorial candidate really made an effort to educate individuals about obtaining 20% in the gubernatorial race because if a third-party candidate ever obtains 20% in that gubernatorial race, they will uh, be able to obtain automatic ballot access for the statewide races and our local geographical races, such as Congress, your state house, and state senate races as well. So it becomes very important, um, not necessarily the end objective of maybe winning the race, but obtaining a high enough vote total to affect ballot access in ways beyond the legislature, like you were saying, where we don't have maybe a, a groundswell of support among the legislators to change the law there, and that means. Yeah, why does the, uh, I mean, I guess this, talk about why the, Democrat and Republicans would feel threatened by increased ballot access. Well, you know, you look at the 14th, perhaps, uh, in cases with state Senate races that were on, that were open on the ballot, and only 15 of those state Senate races actually involved two-party um, challenges. And so there's many races that are going without any opposition at all. Uh, so that's the frequent thing you hear about is that by allowing ballot access, you're opening up the potential areas of competition. So, of course, if, you know, you're selling Coke or Pepsi, you're not going to be really one that wants to open the field and make it as easy as possible to allow another soda to come in and compete with you <laughs> on, a, on a level playing field. So that's one reason why. Uh, I believe. Another reason we hear is voter confusion, that if you make it incredibly easy to get on the ballot, you're going to have situations where you can have, you know, 12 different uh, candidates running for the same position and a lot of voter confusion and issues of that nature. Right. Uh, individuals advocating for ballot access really take it the opposite direction. and They say it will actually help in many situations the traditional parties with their branding because as it's easier to obtain ballot access, individuals will be more free to run under party labels that they more closely identify with, and it also will encourage greater participation in the electoral process because people will feel like they have candidates that represent them more adequately. 
Well, I mean, we uh, I think we've seen four or five races just in the past week or two in Georgia that are looking like they're going to head for a special election. Uh, Brookhaven and Roswell just uh, popped up with Mike Jacobs being appointed a judge and uh, the unfortunate passing of Rep. Harry Geisinger. So those two were popping up uh, uh, just in the past few days. Um, ballot access on those types of races where... I, I think they're, you know, they usually the the person identifies um, what um, what party affiliation they are, and if there aren't one, they register as the I or independent. Um, would ballot access have had any impact on uh, on these races? Uh, for no, like special, special elections, elections are yeah. a, are a really special case. In that instance, uh, the ballot access requirements did not apply. So those are races where you really have a lot of uh, independent and third parties willingly participate uh, because you're not required to obtain the signatures in order to do that. We just had a situation where we did have a libertarian candidate run for a state house position in Johns Creek in December when we had uh, one of the sitting house members uh, become appointed to a state revenue commission mm-hmm. board. And so in those situations, it's really advantageous for everyone, and we can see a prime example of how there's not voter confusion. I think we had... Um, six uh, individuals qualified to run in that special election, uh, and then there was a runoff with two uh, leading candidates there, and we had that, and it went through successfully. So it wasn't a big situation where you had just too much voter confusion and too much too many issues involved. So that you know is cases. Now, did the libertarian of how it can happen? Did the libertarian um, identify themselves as? I know that uh, that seat was eventually won by. Uh, Rep. Uh, Brad Raffensperger. Um, so did the Libertarian identify as a uh, big L, if you will, uh, on the ballot in that one? Oh, absolutely. In okay. that case, they, they certainly did in that particular race. Absolutely. Okay, cool. I just uh, I, I followed that a uh, little bit. I was out of town a lot for that, and that was also right after the, uh, the big elections that um, uh, a lot of Georgia was anticipating runoffs, and that... Uh, that did not happen much to the relief of many folks. Um, all right. Well, listen, we uh, um, what what if we get into the um, the outlook for ballot access, what will be uh, kind of the strategy next year going forward? Well, we're busy now. We're not waiting until next year to get up to speed. Um, the legislation, the enabling legislation that we worked for this year, House Bill 58, actually had its origins in 2006. And at that time, it was sponsored by Speaker David Ralston. Hmm. So we have great hopes for uh, House Bill 58, and that really reduces the signature requirements on the local level for the state house and state senate races. Um, that's critically important. We have a GoFundMe page set up that we've been working with to collect funds and resources to really hire a full-court press, so to speak, to work with legislators um, and to engage them in this process to educate them. Because a lot of times, like you say, there are so many bills that they have to uh, follow and become involved with. It's really a full-scale effort that's needed to let them know about the advantages of party branding and the advantages of greater voter participation that can come from having something along the lines of a greater ballot access. And, and especially with this new court case uh, that's been pending for a while and we expect a ruling any time, that may be a situation where we have the writing on the wall and they're going to have to act anyway. So it's very important for us to start work, continue working now through uh, the downtime of the session and gear mm-hmm. up for 2016. So individuals that are listening can go to our GoFundMe page, look at that, read our updates, see what we've been doing, and look what's coming forward and really get involved and engaged with us uh, through the summer and through the fall 
so that we can get ready to go and be uh, on game day, game, uh, day <laughs> one, and ready to go. And that is uh, yeah. GoFundMe.com slash Georgia Ballot, G-A Ballot. GoFundMe.com forward slash G-A Ballot. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. And you're right, it is kind of a year-round uh, work process. Well, this sounds like it's been going on for eight or nine years um, they, with the folks that were witnessing some of the uh, issues in Georgia this year. saw the craft beer legislation, which had 18 or 19 state senators sign on to it, which was almost a third of the, the total Senate. That bill went through a lot, of, a lot of changes, and nobody was really happy with it, and a lot of work has been going through that. So I can imagine ballot access and um, challenging the status quo, if you will, is going to uh, have an equally uphill battle, but um, you know, hopefully with some perseverance, we'll get more voters engaged and more educated voters, which I think is the, um, uh, the, the, the real goal of adding ballot access. Amanda Swafford, thank you for joining us, and I uh, hope to see you in Athens this weekend. I know you're a libertarian, but uh, Republicans are always the, uh, the big tent party, and hope, to, hope you're able to stop by and say hi to us in Athens. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate that. All right. Well, we will uh, be back in a couple minutes wrapping up here on Greg's List. Going to do a little uh, little art critique, if you will, of the of the two color mailers that I got. It looks like um, uh, Chairman Paget has acknowledged that he's got a challenger, and it looks like Alex Johnson is perfectly willing to spend the big bucks and send out his own color mailer. So should be quite an event this weekend in Athens. We'll be going over the... Uh, the, the critique of this in a couple minutes. Please join us back in a, uh, on Greg's List. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is Tracy Pearson with Prissy Tomboy. Listen to the Prissy Tomboy radio show every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time as I interview special guests that will inspire adventure and fitness for females. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com, a scant four or five days away from electing the chairman and other state party officials for Georgia, which 
increasingly becomes a state that the Democrats salivate over. They would love to turn Georgia blue. Purple would be the the first step in that. We had a pretty resounding win this past cycle. David Perdue and Governor Deal and the rest of the the slate, if you will, of Republicans ran the table. And we also picked off John Barrow finally out in Congressional District 12 with Rick Allen, which is a segue to the comparison. It's comparative lit. Remember that class growing up, David? I'm sure that uh, that was one of your favorites. But we have comparative lit Greg's List 101 going on right now. And for those of you that are able to watch live stream, you can see I've got John Paget for Georgia GOP. Re-elect John Paget. Always important to have that re-elect as the power of incumbency. Is, uh, is extremely important in these. And then we have Alex Johnson's, which is considerably smaller, postcard size, while John Paget's is uh, uh, full-size, double-sided color page. Interesting to see here where Alex Johnson has a picture of him on one side, and on the other side, a fella by the name of Eric Erickson, who is a popular radio show host here, gets a few more listeners than I do. I think it's getting closer, though. And then you compare and contrast to John Paget's page, which on one side has him with his slogan, Together We Are Undefeated. A list of accomplishments, and then you flip over on the back, and it's got pictures of Rick Allen, David Perdue, and Governor Nathan Deal. So clearly trying to reinforce the fact that they won. I, I've had Alex on the show before, and he, I, I've asked him about why he's running against what uh, what most people would consider a highly would consider a highly successful republican season in georgia and he has uh, talked about uh, rebuilding restoring and renewing the republican party and holding the republican party accountable his vision and message is, is in stark contrast to, to john paget who says the goal of the state party is to elect Republicans. So we really do have two contrasting goals here. We have one, which is a, uh, a little bit of a purity test or a, uh, a purge-ist, if you will, with Alex Johnson wanting the state party to actually hold Republicans accountable, which probably means sending out resolutions if they don't vote the way the state party or whoever's in charge of it deigns acceptable, versus John Paget's vision or view, which is raise money to elect Republicans, protect Republican incumbents in general elections, defeat Democrats and grow the Republican Party. So those are eh, somewhat ambiguous goals there. It's not anything real specific here, but he did go into detail on here about how much money was actually raised, which was $6.5 million this past election cycle. And one of the most important things, a lot of people wonder where all this money is spent. They say, oh, it's spent on expensive consultants. But having run personally in this past election cycle and, and, and helped out on uh, several other campaigns, I can attest to the fact that the state party hired a ton of personnel. And a lot of times people say, oh, you know, we don't need money to, to win elections. Y- you need money to hire people. That, that are there for eight hours a day, sometimes longer, six to seven days a week. Volunteers can go out, knock on a few doors, and leave at any time. And David, I can assure you when it's, when it's 95 degrees in summer in July, getting volunteers to, to walk and actually 
do it in an efficient manner and and, and get around without uh, and, and hit two two hundred doors in a day. That is a tough task. That's like herding cats. So what? So what do you do with all this money that you raise? Six point five million. Do you spend it on glossy websites? Maybe. Do you spend it on social media ads? Maybe. You spend it on consultants? Sure, you got to spend a little bit there. You spend it on mailers, of course. But the real expenditure is employees. And ramping up the state party offices, I believe, was uh, was an important um, aspect of the victory. Now, Paget also points out that they reorganized 13 new county parties. They doubled down on online engagement. They doubled the African-American vote, and uh, they also say they've partnered to help form nine new college Republican chapters. So we really do have a tale of two, store, a tale of two candidates here, one that's got uh, a couple years of, uh, of being the chairman, leading a successful campaign, and then Alex, who's ran a couple times. He ran for chair uh, this past uh, cycle back in uh, 2012. And uh, 2013, sorry, and also ran for national committee man uh, a couple years before. So he's certainly not an unknown quantity. Certainly not some of these people that think you can run a campaign just by sending out an email, which I got last week for from somebody from Rocky Face, Georgia, running for first vice chair. Um, can't even recall the guy's name right now. But uh, at, at a certain level, if you're going to run for state office, you need to make an honest effort to travel the state and meet the delegates. If you're too lazy to campaign, then you're probably going to be too lazy to fulfill your job duties. And I can assure people that all the folks that won state offices past time, they did not just sit around. I got to see several of them. Ron Johnson, the second vice chair, Michael McNeely, the first vice chair, actually came to my wife's uh, immigration ceremony or citizenship ceremony. They traveled, you know, from uh, Mike uh, in, in Carrollton and Ron Johnson up in Jefferson, Georgia, came down for it. So a lot of travel, a lot of time commitment involved for a position that actually doesn't pay. So if you feel comfortable voting for people because if you because you have this anti-incumbent uh, syndrome if you will that you're just not satisfied with with going pretty much undefeated that you're pissed off that some republicans voted for a tax increase and you think changing the state party mechanism is going to change that dynamic then by all means vote for some of these folks that you've never heard of that never made an effort to get around the state that never made an effort to ask for your vote in person go ahead and do that Go ahead and do that on Saturday. My my predictions are um, that John Paget will win re-election. I would hope Alex would 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 stay involved because he he's a good guy, but uh, just really doesn't have any proven track record. And and in this situation coming up, when we are going to have a a vigorous campaign, an, an ugly campaign, clearly. Mounted by the Democrats in support of the first ever woman president, because I, I think deep down we we realize Hillary Clinton will prevail, even though most of us want a little bit of carnage to to happen to to pull her further to the left to expose who she really is. It's important that we maintain some experience at the state party level because we're going to need to raise a lot of money. We're going to need to have the credibility to get out the vote. And, and the fact is, a lot of the, the activists don't realize that there's a lot of armchair Republicans that, that, that want to be concerned a lot more about their personal lives 
than the intricacies of what happens behind the scenes in the state party. They want to be able to make sure that they grow up in a United States that still protects our most cherished freedoms. But some Republicans also believe that government should provide, or not uh, provide is not the right word, but the government should be in charge of certain constitutionally delegated things, like having an army, like the roads and the bridges. Some t- people complain about who would build the roads and the bridges. Roads and bridges are actually built by private companies. The contracts and, and things and, and bids are is managed by the state government, and, and that's where you have to have conservative policies in to run the leanest possible government. And I understand the frustration. Trust me, when, when, when Republicans lead efforts to regulate companies like Uber and Lyft and, and claim that it's somehow free market and limited regulation when they raise taxes without, on gasoline – without really doing a thorough audit of the Georgia DOT, I get frustrated too. So you have to ask yourself, what, what is the role of the state party? Is it to lambast Republicans because you may not agree with them 100% of the time? Or is it more of a support system? Is it more of a, a raising money? And, is it, and should our focus be defeating Democrats? So those are the questions that you're going to have. They will be answered, hopefully, by 8 p.m. on Saturday. <laughs> hopefully this thing doesn't go on too long, but uh, with the amount of people that have decided that they want to just jump in and get their two- to five-minute speech on Saturday so they can express their malcontents with everything wrong in America, this thing could go on for a long time. We hope to see you guys out there. I'll be out there uh, doing some 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 webcasting, if you will, doing some recording, doing some interviews. And also hopefully working with uh, a couple of the presidential candidates to make sure their messages get out. I'm still a Scott Walker fan. I'm a little discontented, I guess, when I heard David's prediction that he wouldn't be announcing till September. Now, we don't have any inside information on that, but David's been around for a long time, and that's his prediction. So we'll have to see the two big names right now in the uh, – Republican race are clearly, I think, Jeb Bush and Scott Walker, neither of whom have announced, and they're both slipping a little bit in the polls because of this. But again, you don't need to be out there with a big target on your back because, as as we've clearly seen, the Democrats are anxious to protect their own with their complicit mainstream media. You can check out the blog anytime at gregslistlive.blog.com. We'll see you next week. We'll be wrapping up the uh, doing a rundown of what happened at the convention. And hope to see you this weekend in Athens. Thanks, as always, for listening. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.